The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. Support for this show comes from the Spirituality and Health Annual Holiday Gift Guide, a special section in the November-December 2016 issue featuring inspiring and unique products. Reach our conscious community and reserve your advertising space today. Email Tabitha at spiritualityhealth.com or call 231-933-5660, extension 305. From Spirituality and Health magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today is Stephen Dynan, founder and CEO of the Shift Network, serving over 700,000 people worldwide with customers in 150 countries. It delivers a virtual potpourri of courses and training sessions, and it features over 50 core faculty and 1,000 thought leaders, enlightened business, shamanism, indigenous wisdom, and sustainability. An excerpt from his newest book, Sacred America, Sacred World, appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Stephen Dynan, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is, it's our pleasure. Let, before we get into the book, which is really, I guess, the main topic of conversation for the next 20 minutes, I'd like to just have you give us a sense of how you got into the Shift Network. What's the mission? What are you trying to accomplish with this? Well, Many years ago, originally I started off in science, but get, gradually came to the understanding that that really it was it was through investigating that our deeper consciousness and our evolution um, as individuals that we were going to be able to create uh, a larger shift in our society. And so I spent time at the California Institute of Integral Studies and studied with Stan Groff and transpersonal psychology. Eventually ended up at Esalen Institute and eventually at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And throughout all of that, I really recognize that there is the there's a wholesale paradigm shift in our culture that is expressing in many different ways it's rooted in evolution of our consciousness but it it finds expression in holistic health and conscious business and new paradigms of peace and parenting and so it's really a it's a wholesale upgrade to our operating system i i sometimes like to say and so all these domains do interconnect with each other and i'm fascinated by how this shift in consciousness is then finding expression in many different ways and the book, Sacred America, Sacred World, really extends this investigation into the political sphere and says, how do we not just evolve ourselves, but evolve our country to the next level and find the next level of our operating system as a people? So let's talk about this notion of evolution. I mean, you, you, you just said a moment ago, <clears throat> you're interested in our evolution as individuals. In what sense do individuals as opposed to groups evolve? What do you have in mind? 
Well, there's there's a there's a lot of different um, frameworks for understanding that from developmental psychology to traditional wisdom systems. I mean, you can think of it as combination of self-actualization and enlightenment that we gradually actualize more and more of ourselves and become more and more enlightened. And one of the principles I'm sure you know of, of enlightenment is you're going beyond um, dualities of different kinds and starting to integrate more and more of your identity into a larger sphere. So you become more identified with the whole rather than the part. And specifically, I think we're at a kind of development right now where people are emerging into a truly global consciousness. We've shifted to people from people thinking primarily in terms of nation states, really thinking of themselves as global citizens. So there's a there's an evolution of our culture around more global media, global Internet, global um, and, and, and that shift. And that also extends over into our sense of identity. We're really moving to see ourselves as a global human family rather than primarily identified with nations or religions or um, tribes. Yeah, so I would love to believe that <laughs> that idea. I would love to be that optimistic. Uh, and I know that some people, and maybe the people who are involved in Shift Network are part of that uh, evolution. But when I look around, and we just had you know Brexit with the uh, Britain leaving the EU, and the rise of Donald Trump and nativism in the United States and elsewhere, and the sort of sort of I don't want to overstate it, like say fascism or something, but but the kind of almost pre World War II uh, mentality in, in countries like Poland and and Austria. Is, I'm just wondering if while some people are making this shift, other people are going in the absolute opposite direction. When it's all about tribe, it's all about nativism, it's all about my race or my ethnicity or my gender. It seems like we're splitting up into warring camps more and more. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's a very few uh, kind of elite group of cosmopolitan globalists who are going the other direction. Is that, that's, hope, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I think, I think they're both true, sir. Simultaneously, and and sometimes there's a reaction to the forward momentum of a society that tends to exaggerate the opposite for a time. You know, many people who were involved in anti-war activities or different movements from the '60s despaired in the '70s that not a lot of the deeper reforms and shifts and that they were working for seemed to have floundered. And and the truth is, there's often a, a pullback from a positive shift that happens. And so the, so I think there's there's a developmental logic for why that is. Sometimes there's a rich retrenchment, you're needing to kind of like, in a way, exaggerate the old before you, you free up the energy for the new. So on the surface, uh, there is there is a lot of retrenchment back into a nationalistic or nativistic model. And if we see it from the long view of history, that's probably part of the overall movement which is more inexorable into a, a truly global stage of consciousness. And so like Brexit, I thought was interesting, for instance, because uh, under, under 30, I think it was 65 or 70 percent of, of under 30 were voting for remaining with uh, the larger whole of you, you, the European Union, but older folks wanted to retrench back more so than the younger. So usually you get the reverse. So there's there's a bit of that pendulum happening in the United States as well, both uh, on, on both sides of the aisle, that there is that there's a, an impulse to, to retreat back into what was older, make America great again, to, to retreat back in some fashion to to the past as, a, as our, our source of glory or, or, or betterment. But the truth is evolution moves forward and eventually the next wave of people are, are going to live into that new identity in a fuller way. So, you know, we've gone in, the, in this country from having 
no one practicing yoga, for instance, to having 20 some million yoga practitioners. And each of those person people is, is, is significantly widening, deepening, opening their horizons. We're having the cross pollination of all the different religious traditions. We're having holistic, uh, you know, alternative medicines gradually merged into integral medicine. And you, you can get acupuncture treatment in an average, you know, before an average operation in, in many, many hospitals these days. So there's, there's a backlash that's part of, that's part of the, the, the natural developmental process. And so if we, if we don't, if we don't attach too much uh, importance to that, but rather just keep compassionately moving, moving things forward, it, it, um, it keeps us from getting sort of uh, discouraged. Well, that's good. Cause I, <laughs> I always, I'm very easily discouraged. <laughs> I watch too much news. That's my too much cable news. Anyway, that's my well, problem. Well, and there's a truth in that. I mean, the, the thing with, you always have to bear in mind with um, mainstream media is that they are going to lead with where the dominant culture's focus is at that moment. They tend not to focus on what's emerging because it's not as prevalently known necessarily. And so there's tremendous success stories happening in so many different realms, and, and they tend not to be leading the, the headline news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, headline, you know, like, what do they say? If it bleeds, it leads kind of thing. Exactly. I, I mean, everything is fear-based on normative media. So they, they, you know, they scare you into sitting through the commercial to find out the next thing that's going to scare you. So, so yeah, I, I get that. I get that. On the other hand, I'm thinking, you know, lots of evolutionary um, strands just die out. And maybe that's what's going to happen to those who cannot make the globalist leap. I mean, it's, it's the well-educated millennial mm -hmm. uh, who seems to be on the cutting edge of this kind of thing. Do you think, now, I'm, this is really sort of an out there question. And, and it's, I apologize for the question because I just have a feeling it comes out wrong. But I, I was looking on the Shift Network uh, website and you have all these teachers listed there and they are overwhelmingly white and sort of product of the new age movement. And I, this, this must be just a, a misperception on, on my part. But what, what's your take? Is this thing as global as... I want it to be. I mean, let, let me just add one other thing. So, so you, you, know, you were talking about nations shifting and all of that. I'm wondering if nations aren't a dead end. Well, actually, you were saying that we're moving beyond the nation state. But, but if nations aren't a dead end, and what we're ending up is with these new city states, these new global cities like we used to have, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and the people who live in those places, regardless of uh, ethnicity and race, those people are becoming a new nation, a new tribe. I don't know how I'd put it exactly. But what's your sense of, of this being a truly global shift? Well, it's certainly very global in the sense, you know, we have deep interest in our programs around the world. I mean, places you would never guess. I mean, we have people from Uzbekistan taking trainings in enlightened uh, business. We've got people in, uh, you know, Central Africa who are taking peace courses. It's, you know, we've, we have 100 customers in 150 countries and, and probably more like 200 when you talk about free participation and things. So, so what, what I'm finding uh, as we travel around and make, make bridges, um, you know, we, we had somebody in uh, the Czech Republic public who wanted to who was looking to build a whole uh, version of, of what we do in the Czech language. And he was he was eliminating how the shifts were happening in their country. You get books translated, you have people visiting and you start building local centers. So the, the, this kind of holistic perspective and 
I think New Age in many ways has sort of been an avant-garde, uh, and then things start to filter in and, and translate. Mindfulness meditations become as you know as mainstream as apple pie in in the United States. You would get it in boardrooms and and uh, and in schools. Yoga is practically ubiquitous now. Different forms of contemplative prayer have, have worked their way back in. So there's a there's a great cross pollination. Um, and so you know I think that people who have been you know, full on committed have often haven't created more of a kind of a, you know, a, a full new worldview. But the, the truth is, it's sort of a spectrum of conscious living from a more conventional way of being to living more holistically, consciously. Uh, and, and, and there's an open mindedness that comes with that as well. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26 at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. Do you ever get the sense that some of the, I mean, you mentioned three things, contemplative prayer, mindfulness practice, yoga, and you mentioned yoga a couple of times. Um, I, I think contemplative prayer, we should put that aside. I, I don't know how you co-opt that exactly. I was just in Aspen, Colorado uh, two weekends ago, and I was with Father Thomas Keating, who really started centering prayer along with Father Basil Pennington. And and I asked him, I mean, he's in his 90s, and I said, so where do you think this is going? And uh, he wasn't too optimistic, but he can never tell with Father Thomas. Maybe he's just being overly modest. So maybe that's all that was. But when you look at mindfulness practice and yoga, my sense is, and you can tell I'm easily you know, jaded with these things, that they're being co-opted by a, oh, a capitalist system that, I mean, you want to become mindful so that you can handle more stress and you can be a, a better cog in, in the corporate wheel. That's why businesses are bringing mindfulness in. They want yoga because it's going to improve your health and so it'll cost them less in, in health uh, care expense. Uh, do you ever, I mean, I keep thinking of the Buddha and the Buddha just wasn't all that interested in teaching, you know, mindfulness practice so that people could be better, you know, clerks. I mean, what, what's your sense of that? Does capitalism ultimately win over everything? Well, I, I don't see I don't see any sort of opposition. In fact, that's one of the the old truisms that is breaking down is this separation between the spiritual world and the commercial world, or um, you know the the, uh, the the monastery and the marketplace in many ways. And and I think that that's a good thing overall because when you had this this sort of purest traditions that were held in a mo more monastic or contemplative or removed from society way, and then you have the society just kind of doing its own thing, and you essentially have very unenlightened leaders and decision making in the society, then you're going to have a dysfunctional society in these little oases of peace. And frankly, we can't afford to do that anymore because our world, the stakes are too high. The world is getting smaller and relative to our resources. So we need to have more enlightened awareness. And so what I, I think it's, um, it's a good sign. I, I, it doesn't worry me to have yoga be co-opted for, you know, or co even co-opted as a charged term, but be brought into corporations for, for wellness purposes. Because the truth is when you, once you get people growing and evolving and deepening their self-understanding, then it, there's natural, natural beneficial effects. People become more spiritual, even if they're really doing, um, yoga first, because they, you know, they're looking for a date, <laughs> they're looking for dates. They're, you know, they're, 
that's fine. They want better ads. The abs are looking for date. And then suddenly, suddenly they become more naturally spiritual and they they become more compassionate. There's, there's a way in which the practices themselves work regardless of the motivation, the original motivation. And so I think it's, it's just only a good thing. And ultimately, ultimately when you those break down some of those walls between the, the monastery and the marketplace, you end up with um, an opportunity for people who are, who are everyday normal people to, to really engage deep enlightenment um, practices in a way that grows them as leaders and grows their sense of compassion, grows their sense of uh, purpose beyond just um, making a living and supporting their families to, to really having a mission. We see a ton of people now who are very interested in bringing their soul uh, into their work and bringing their sense of a higher mission into um, making a business out of that. So people want to take what's the core reason for their incarnation? What's their what's their change work? And they want to make a livelihood from that in the same way that I'm making a livelihood from that. And I imagine you are to some extent. And and I think that that merging of uh, soul and, and worldly mission is actually a good thing to be supported. Great. Excellent way. The way you put it was very articulate. I want to shift gears in the few minutes we have left and go back to the book. The book, just so that people get it in their minds again, the title of the book is Sacred America, Sacred World. And you have a chapter in the book called Beyond a War on Terror. And this is something I'm really interested. Well, I'm interested in everything you were writing about, but this is something I'm very interested in. The whole paradigm, and you were talking about shifting paradigms, so maybe that'll fit in here. The whole paradigm of a war on terror, a war on drugs, a war on poverty, that whole paradigm seems to be problematic. And this chapter, Beyond a War on Terror. So what, tell, tell us about that. What is, what's beyond that? Yeah, well, the idea is that beyond, when somebody's enacting a war on terror, their, their goal isn't to simply be in a war on terror indefinitely, that they're trying to achieve something beyond that. And so the ultimate beyond that is to create a world at peace. And the reason it's important to actually focus more on what we want to create versus what we want to get rid of is, first of all, it becomes a superordinate goal for everybody. So in this case, if you're conducting a war on terror, what do the peace builders have really to do with that? The people who are the, the psychologists and the healers and the conflict mediation specialists. And, you know, they're not really part of the war on terror because the, the, the mission has been defined merely as stopping the bad guys. Right. But actually, in actuality, if that's just a, a portion of the larger mission, it's a subset, if you will. So building a world at peace, creating a world at peace is a more inclusive mission. It's a higher aspiration. It's a superordinate goal that all of us can bond around. You still need the warriors who are who are containing bad actors and sometimes using the military to protect us in different ways. But their their mission is actually up leveled. It's 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 peace and security. Um, it's it's no longer simply just eradicating bad actors, which which also tends to tends to foster more of that which you're trying to get rid of. Because what we know in individual psychology is when you when we fight parts of ourselves that will tend to undermine uh, undermine ourselves because we're we're kind of at war with parts of ourselves. And so the same way with um, individual psyche, you, that when you do that on a cultural level, you end up often perpetuating and sowing the seeds for more war. So in the case of terrorism, for instance, you know, if, if you work more with economic empowerment and you work through cultural divides and religious accords and uh, there's a healing historical wounds, a lot of those things, the kind of soft policy, softer diplomacy 
actually help to heal what's underneath. There's, and if that isn't healed, it will continue to fester in, in more and more, um, more and more problematic ways. So, so by defining a mission in which everybody has a role, then you actually create more collaboration and more, sen- more of a sense of like, we're all in, the, in this together versus, um, you know, most people are uh, cowering f- afraid at home while you have a, you know, a small percentage of warriors out protecting against the war on terror. Mm. You know, this is fascinating and I would love to continue the conversation, but we are out of time. So we're going to have to hold it right there. But this was, I'm really engaging and I hope people are going to go out and take a look at uh, Sacred America, Sacred World and see what else you have to say and how you back it up with, you know, actual evidence that something is changing for the better. My guest today was Stephen Dynan. He's the author of Sacred America, Sacred World. An excerpt of the book appears in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about Stephen's work on his website, theshiftnetwork.com, and sacredamerica.net is the, the other one you can check out. So, Stephen, thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you. Support for this show comes from the Spirituality and Health Annual Holiday Gift Guide. The guide's a special section of both the magazine and website featuring inspiring and unique products for the holidays. To reach our community, reserve your advertising space in the November-December 2016 issue by emailing Tabitha at spiritualityhealth.com or calling 231-933-5660, extension 305. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit spiritualityhealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, Don't take your dreams lying down.